Hey, what's going on? I'm Matty Hundo, and it's time for episode three of Keeping It a Hundo. So far, so good. Nobody's told me I need to stop doing these things, so I guess I'm going to ride it until the wheels fall off, or at least until I realize nobody's listening. So to the dozens, and I mean dozens, of listeners across the world, thank you for subscribing, but I need more of you to do so. So when you listen, please click subscribe. It's free. Why wouldn't you? You can find Keeping It a Hundo on the Apple Podcast app. And for those of you who aren't brainwashed by Apple like the rest of us, you can find Keeping It a Hundo on Google Play Music or SoundCloud. Some of you guys had some cool stuff to say about last week's show with Terry DeHair. A lot of people were saying it brought back memories growing up, playing ball, watching the Big East. I think it's because Terry kind of embodied hoop in the 90s. This week's show is with a current NFL quarterback, Oakland Raider E.J. Manuel. He's an up-and-coming talent, and he's a great dude. And he's also a close friend of mine. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. So back in 2014, my friend and quarterback guru, Steve Cutter Calhoun, was visiting Miami from Southern California. He was there to work out one of his quarterbacks. It was the NFL offseason, and he asked me if I wanted to go with him to work out this kid, E.J. Manuel. As some of you know, I'm a proud graduate of the U, University of Miami. I knew E.J. had played at our rival, Florida State, and he beat us every time we played. And I knew he had just finished a solid rookie year with the Buffalo Bills after being a first-round pick. Other than that, I didn't really know anything about him. Steve told me he was a great kid, and I figured it was a chance to meet some prospective Hundo Health and Fitness clients. So after a good session on the field with EJ and a couple receivers, we started talking. EJ was new to Miami. He was just down there for the offseason. So that night, me and Steve met up with EJ at the Marlins game. I don't think we watched one pitch of that game. We were too busy having fun. And we've been friends ever since. He's somebody I can count on and trust. I think he appreciates my old age, or should I say wisdom. So sometimes he looks to me for advice. A lot of people have asked me how we know each other. I met most of my closest friends, if not all of them, on a field or a court. So EJ is no different. He just happens to be entering the prime of an NFL career. You can be sure you'll be hearing more from EJ Manuel in years to come. He's only scratched the surface of his potential. We're here today with Oakland Raiders quarterback, E.J. Manuel. It's Super Bowl week. We're in Miami. The Super Bowl is not in Miami, but the sun is. Yes. And so is my good friend, E.J. Yes. What's going on, bro? Good to have you here, man. Good to be here. Since I started this uh, new podcast venture, i definitely been wanting to get on with you. Um, you have a lot of good things to say. We want to hear a little bit about your past. Mm-hmm. And what uh, you plan on doing with the next few years of your life. Awesome. So uh, you got John Gruden now? Yep. You met John back probably around like draft time or something when you were getting combine and all that stuff? Yeah. The uh, first time I met Coach Gruden was at uh, the Gruden QB camp, which most of the uh, top QBs coming out in the draft get a chance to go and work with Coach Gruden for a day. 
And uh, he gave me his phone number back then, been in touch with him ever since. You know, obviously he was doing commentating and things like that. But, you know, uh, the fact that he's now the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, as a young quarterback myself, that's very exciting. You know, you want to learn from a, a great coach like that, someone who's proven um, and someone who's coming in to get things fixed instead of, you know, because we have all the talent in the world on that team. I think it's just a, mat a matter of us all as, you know, players and coaches putting everything together. And he's always been a guy who's been, he's like a quarterback expert. Right. He deals with quarterbacks, that's his thing. So you don't have a defensive coach coming in. I think you've played for pretty much defensive coaches, yeah. defensive-minded coaches in your career My so first far. coach was a offensive line coach okay. and offensive coordinator background. And my uh, second coach was a defensive coordinator, like you said. And then my third coach was also a defensive coordinator. So, yeah, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah, should be a good change. Yep. Um, so going back to – let's let's go back to to the draft time. And you you went to you went to Florida State, had a great career there. We'll touch on some of that later. But uh, coming out, you had pretty high expectations. I've, I remember reading things and hearing things like – not just about your physical ability, which everybody was blown away by, but your character and your personality. Uh, they said on that alone, this guy is worth a shot. Mm -hmm. And then you also were top of the draft class in almost every category at the combine. Did you feel did you feel a lot of pressure coming in? What when I got drafted? Yeah. When you when you so you were slated to go first round, you did go first round. You're mm -hmm. the first quarterback taken, and did you feel a lot of weight on your shoulders? Did you feel it was a lot of pressure for? So for the way I saw it, you know, I went from Florida State, where you know we had a great team, I had a great supporting cast, I had a great you know head coach, I had a great coaching staff behind me, and you know I get to Buffalo and it's polar opposites as far as you know the city. You know I go from Tallahassee to Buffalo, New York. You know, Tallahassee is nice and hot. Buffalo, New York is not, you know. So all those things in, you know, correlation with the football part. Football is football at the end of the day. You have, you know, good coaches. Everybody's great in that league. Everybody's smart. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett was my uh, offensive coordinator and Coach Doug Marone. And they're both with uh, Jacksonville now. They had a great, had a great, season. great season this year, you know. And it was their first, first year in the NFL coming from Syracuse. So I, I felt like we were all kind of learning at the same time, um, trial and error. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily brought in to start right away. I remember them wanting to, you know, groom me and, you know, let me grow uh, behind Kevin Cobb. And, you know, I, for lack of better words, it seemed like Kevin, you know, by that time was kind of checked out. You know, he had made his money in Arizona and Philly and I think that might have been his ninth or eighth or ninth year in the league and, uh, you know, I played well in the, pre in the preseason and um, training camp. So I obviously showed that I had the ability to go out there and play and lead. Um, so did I, did I feel pressure? Of course, you know, because, you know, it's not so much pressure as in negative pressure. It was more so in I'm putting pressure on myself to demand greatness for myself at the same time trying to learn and try different things and fix things and, you know, being coached by different people and all that. So in a new area, in a new city, which, you know, you got to throw the ball a little different in Buffalo versus Tallahassee, you know what I mean? So all those things in correlation, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, but, you know, early on, man, I was, you know, I was handling it. And, I, you know, unfortunately got hurt in the preseason. 
not, not many people remember that. I uh, tore my meniscus versus the Vikings in our second preseason game. Had a great first preseason game, started versus Indy. Uh, led us down the field, through a touchdown. I remember the second preseason game, played really well versus the Vikings in Buffalo and got hurt on the sideline. And I finished the game, but like the next day, my knee was swollen and I had to get surgery. I had to get like a scope. So I missed the next two and a half, three weeks of development. And I was able to be back by week one For to a start. rookie, that's, that's tough. It's very tough. Because you're still learning. Bro, I missed, I missed two weeks. You know what I mean? Two, really three weeks yeah. of crucial time where I could have continue to hone in my skills and continue to learn the playbook. Literally, I'm still learning the playbook. I just got drafted like four months before this, you know. So, um, you know, as a rookie, I think it was asking a lot. But when you get drafted in the first round, that's what you're expected to go in there and do. You know, some guys have the luxury to go and sit back and learn for three, four years. I didn't have that luxury. So yeah, they put you right in, gave you the keys and told you to drive. Yep, told me to drive. So, um, so when you're coming out, let's go back to the draft process. You visited with a few teams. Um, where did did you have a sense of where you were gonna go, or was it you saw everything from top ten to middle, middle of the first round, sure. late first round? I had a feeling that I would go to a team that I felt like I matched their offensive scheme. So at that time, Chip Kelly was at the Eagles. Um, I felt I might have went to the New York Jets. Where Coach Ryan was there. Had a great meeting with him, David Lee, who ended up being my coach my third and fourth year in Buffalo. He was my quarterback coach. Uh, like both of those guys a lot. Loved the Jets. Loved, uh, you know, the, the the ability to play in New York City, you know, as a young guy was really exciting to me. Um, I obviously had a great meeting with the Bills. Their entire staff came to my, my uh, they, they came to Tallahassee and did like a private workout before my pro day. Um, took me out to dinner. Did they tell you they were going to take you if you were there? Uh, the Jets told me that they would take me. Uh, if I was there. And I literally remember Coach And they were Ryan, right after the Bills? They were right after the Bills. Actually, no. So they had two first-round picks that year. They took, um, I think, uh, Sheldon Richardson, and then they took D. Milner from Alabama. Richardson went, like, top five or something? Yeah, I want to say Rich Rich went, like, six. Okay. And then uh, D. Mill went, like, 13 or 14. Okay. And then the Bills had the ninth pick, and they traded back and picked me at 16. Okay. So once they traded back, I had a feeling that that might be – something they were doing to try to get me and then try to get like another second round pick or something like that. I think that's what they did. They traded back and then got an extra second round pick. That's how we were able to get Kiko and Robert Woods. Yep. You know, Robert, really both of those guys could have been first rounders. Yep. You know what I mean? In my, my opinion. And they're both having good careers. And they're both having great careers. And so, you know, um, that's kind of how it worked out. Let's go back to Bayside High. Mm -hmm. You were the black AC Slater. <laughs> Tell them where you're from. I'm from Virginia Beach. Uh, most of us call it the 757. That's our area code. Um, we're very, very, very proud of where we come from as athletes. You know, some of the greats have, you know, uh, come, come from out of there. Bruce Smith, Alonzo Mourning, Allen Iverson, Joe Smith, uh, Ronald Curry, and then some of the current guys, myself, Percy Harvin, Tyrod Taylor, Cam Chancellor, uh, Kylo Quinn. You grew up playing against a lot of these kids. The last few guys, guys you named. Played against all those guys. And, like, different youth sports. Exactly, and... exactly. Like, I've known Tyrod since uh, sixth grade. I've known Percy since fourth grade. Um, Which is really interesting because nobody's ever mentioned that. When, when you and Tyrod were battling for the QB right. job, nobody said, said anything about, all oh, these two guys known each, known other, each other for a long time. It's never been a thing, which yeah. is interesting because that's, yeah. a, that's a compelling story. No question. It's definitely – and a lot of people don't know. Um, I think people – you know, they still don't 
they're still used to like the Floridas, the Texases, the Californias, and they don't necessarily think when they think of powerhouse football or like great athletes, like oh Virginia Beach or Hampton or Norfolk or you know we call it's the seven cities. It's called Hampton Roads, and so um, you know they don't always think about it. But I think now, you know, going into 2018, I think more people are are awoken by the kind of talent that we have coming from out of there because of guys like ourselves. You know, we made you know some noise in the NFL and at the pro ranks and obviously made money and been able to take care of our families. Staying with the Hampton Roads area, you just mentioned Bruce Smith. What was your relationship like with him growing up? Growing up, um, my my dad and Bruce were childhood friends from like third grade on. Um, they played on little league basketball, football teams together. Um, so they've known each other pretty much all their lives. And I met Bruce, I remember, I guess when I, I actually met him from when I can remember, I was five. And I just saw Little Giants, the movie, and you know Bruce is in there like crushing the football and all yeah. that. And I was a little kid, man, and I'm looking up at him. And Bruce was still playing at the time, so he was ripped up, huge. swole, huge. And uh, I just remember like looking up at him and staring. And his house was massive, and you know it was really cool. And he signed a football for me. And at that time, I didn't know even what I was getting. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure I took that ball and went home and played outside with it or something like that. But you know, I wish I had kept it. But, um, yeah, he's, he's been there, honestly, every step of the way since, you know, from, like, middle school on. You know, once he kind of saw I had an opportunity to be a solid athlete, you know, he would, would he offer be there, a bunch of his advice. Uh, advice-wise, or would he be there, like, helping you work out? Like, how was he, how hands-on advice was wise, he? Advice-wise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, advice-wise. Telling you about the question, recruiting process. Exactly. And, so, like, the recruiting process, he was, you know, he would call my dad or call me every, you know, two weeks or so just to check in and, you know, see how it's going, you know, asking. I wish I asked him more questions, you know, uh, looking back on it now. You probably didn't even know the questions to ask. Exactly, and I, and I didn't, you know, because my parents, you know, they didn't go to college. My mom went to Howard, but she didn't finish, and my dad went into the military from high school. So um, my sister was really the first person in our family to go to college beside my grandmother, who I don't, I don't think finished at Norfolk State either. So she was our first college grad in the family, and uh, – yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions we didn't know to ask as far as recruiting. And, you know, we were just doing it the best way we could as far as just being good people and being polite to every every coach that called. Because there were some schools I knew I wasn't going to go to, like Duke University offered my first scholarship. I was in 10th grade. And I knew it was exciting because I got – I was like, okay, I know no matter what, I can go to college. Was Cutcliffe free? No, not yet. It was okay. Ted Roof at okay. the time. Um and I went to their senior camp as a sophomore, and I got I got an offer like that day. Then the next day we went to uh, Marshall and got another offer. So I had two in the bag, you know. And uh, I was like, okay, well I know I can go to I know I can go to college for free. And so then as time went on, my name got more out there in the high school ranks and these you know Rivals.com and Scout.com and all this kind of stuff. So you were very heralded coming out of high school. You yeah, were five star five star recruit. Um, can't remember what number. I was in the top five as far as quarterbacks, maybe the top two. Who else? Who were the other quarterbacks around the country that so, were big your year? I went to Elite Eleven, um, which is a huge quarterback high school quarterback camp in California. In California, they fly you out there for a week. You work out and all that good stuff. And it's more of a, it's more of a, uh, like a reality show now. I feel like they got you know they're sending kids home. And That's stuff the first time the I heard of it. I it's saw weird. Yeah, it's weird. Show. It's not so much for like the kids. I feel like it's kind of more for like, you know, they want. People watch it on TV. Yeah. But anyways, who was um, who was your year? So who my year: uh, Andrew Luck, Blaine Gabbert, Mike Glennon, Jacory Harris, uh, Sean Renfrey, um, Kyle Parker, who ended up playing baseball, uh, Landry Jones, who still plays for the the Steelers, 
um, Star Jackson. Uh, who else, man? I think that's another kid named, I want to say last name was Winky. Kid named Nate Chrisman. So it was a good group. I think like six of us made it to the NFL. Um, obviously, so they Andrew, got it right for the most part. They got, they definitely got it right. And they can tell, man. And some of those other guys that I named that didn't make it, I think it might have just been an injury or we all could play. That yeah, was the yeah. thing. We all could play. And then, you know, pretty much every quarterback, you know, beyond like 2004, I, I'm not sure when they started the Elite 11, but they pretty much had every like top tier quarterback that's in the NFL has gone through the Elite 11 ranks. So Russell Wilson, Tyrod Taylor, uh, who else? Jameis. Jameis. Um, Pretty much every young quarterback that's playing, Matthew Stafford, all those guys have gone through it. So, so you were a Parade All American, Under Armour All American. You played in that Under Armour game. Yep, I was in the inaugural Under Armour game in Orlando, Florida. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. We were in the first one. This is when like Under Armour was really hot. Had the uniforms, the helmets. Uh, Julio was on my team. AJ Green was on my team. Um, who else, man? It was literally a, a who's who. Yeah. It was really cool. And, you know, at that time, we were all still kids, you know. So it's really cool to see guys that I played with and that, you know, still be playing in the league today, you know. And it's pretty surreal when you see each other, you know, after the games and stuff like that. So when you were a kid, did you want to be a football player? Did, what did you want to be? Because I remember I always wanted to be an athlete. But before I wanted to be an athlete, I wanted to be a trash man. Okay. I used to watch the trash men pick up the trash. I thought it was so cool they got to ride in the back of the truck. Oh, yeah. That so that was my first job I actually wanted to do. Right. So do you remember what your first job was you wanted to be? I think my first job, you know, be, beyond like an athlete, I wanted to be like an engineer. I wanted to like build stuff. So I can remember as a kid, I would like go to my grandmother's house for the summer with my sister Amber, and I would take all her pillows on her couch and like start making like little houses and forts little forts and, and whatnot. Yeah, you know, I just had a real inkling for things like that or like if my dad and I we built like say if we, my dad bought, bought a shelf or like a TV stand I would try to help him and fix it and like I love you know working with tools and all that kind of stuff and I think that's why I'm pretty handy now mechanically inclined mechanically inclined exactly like yep. some people are not you know and my dad was really one of those dads that were like hey man figure it out read the instructions that kind of thing and instead of doing it for me myself and Peter Brady we were not I don't know if the Brady Bunch is a little before your ah, time. Nice. But yeah, it is a little bit before yeah, my time. Yeah, Mr. Martinelli told Peter he was not mechanically inclined. <laughs> Mr. Martinelli. Yeah. So uh, so you wanted to be an engineer, but then as you got older, when did you realize you wanted to be a professional athlete? So when I figured out what the NFL draft was on TV um, in April every year, I can remember it come on for three days on ESPN. <clears throat> and I remember Chris Berman getting up there talking about it. Uh Mr. Jackson, those, you know, that crew, that old ESPN crew, uh, Chris Carter and those guys. Chris Mortensen. Mortensen. Uh, Ed Carter, Ed Werder, all those kind of guys. Yeah, John man. Clayton. Who's been doing it forever. Yeah, John Clayton. <laughs> With his hidden ponytail. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, weren't weren't yeah. you a better f basketball player as a kid? So as a kid, man, I was not. I was a better football player. I was good in both, actually. I think it was neck and neck up until I turned like 13. Okay. Um, yeah, I was a really – I was a standout basketball player as well. And actually, all those guys I listed that are from my area, we all played basketball against each other too. And every, every one of those guys could play basketball. You know, in Virginia, man, you play football and basketball. So you went yeah. right from football season to basketball season. 
and if you didn't, you were kind of like, you know, everybody kind of like, why don't you play ball? You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, man, Um, you know, I was a dual athlete up until like 14. I made a Boo Williams uh, elite team, which yep. is like our state, you yep. know, AAU team. We go around and travel and play different, well known. different teams. And I made his uh, elite team in the area. And uh, that summer, I just told my dad, I was like, man, I prayed about it, and I want to just stick to football. I think football is my ticket. Who else was on your AAU team? Do you remember anybody that uh, we would recognize? So I remember playing against some guys. Uh, I remember playing against Jimmy Butler. I want to say he played for a team called The Family. Yep. Um, don't quote me on that, though, but I'm pretty sure. Out of sure. Houston? Out of Detroit. Oh, really? Yeah, out of Detroit, I think. Um, no, I'm sorry. Maybe, yeah, Detroit, yep, Detroit. Uh, but on that team, man, nobody that you would know. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't know if any guys that have really made it to the NBA. There's been, there's been a bunch of guys that made it to the NFL from my area. As far as lately, like NBA guys, and Kyle. I'm probably Kyle O'Quinn's a, a big one, but he's from New York. He just went to Norfolk State. Right. Um, there was a kid named uh, Vernon Macklin. He played in the NBA for a little yep. bit. Remember that name? Yep. Um, and there's another kid from Portsmouth who's younger than me. Uh, he's still playing. He plays for the Mavericks now. He went to Florida. I can't remember his name, though. Oh, uh, Finney. Finney. Finney Smith. Yes, Finney Smith. Hyphenated name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Finney Smith. He's balling. You know, he played at uh, at Florida in college. So, you know, man, some guys, you know, and I think in that area, you just want to use your talents to be able to take care of your family. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not so much, you know, obviously men are ego-driven ego and we're all hard workers and we want to have respect as a ball player. But for me, man, like, my main motivation was just to make sure that my family – was straight at the end of the day. I know that. Yeah, at the end of the day. Uh, who were your favorite athletes as a kid? Who do you remember looking up to? Or? So I was a huge Cowboys fan. Really? So I remember loving like Troy Aikman and uh, Double Trouble, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, those kind of guys. Uh, probably at home, it might have been Allen Iverson yeah. at the time because AI. He's a local guy. Who's also a local guy. I don't know if I mentioned his name. Michael Vick's from there as yeah. well. I don't know how I forget those you, two main You're going to leave out plenty of people. Yeah, it's a bunch There's of guys. So and I apologize. People. There's so many so many people, man. But, um, yeah, probably AI was one of the one of the, like, the guys I always looked up looked up to. Obviously, Michael Jordan. But I think AI because I remember like seeing him, like actually seeing him in person yep. at his uh, charity softball game out in, um, in Hampton, I want to say, when I was like eight or nine. And, uh, you know, I think he pulled up in, like, a Rolls Royce or, like, a Bentley or something like that. And I just remember being like, man, I want to live that kind of life. You know what I mean? Be able to ride around like that. And it was cool, you know. Have you ever been in trouble? Trouble? I haven't, man. I've been very fortunate. No arrests? No arrests. How many record. How many people can say that? Not many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. You know, no I mean, suspensions in high school, college? None. Yeah, had a very clean, uh, clean record as far as. You know, getting in trouble. My dad and my mom did a great job of raising my sister and I. You know, and I keeping see. us out of out of harm's way. You know, they didn't shelter us, but they, you know, they made us aware of you know the snare traps that were out there for you. You know what I mean? And whether it was girls or not getting your schoolwork done or drugs and drinking and all that kind of stuff, I didn't you know bother with any of that. I never really knew the answer to that question, even though I've known you for years. Mm -hmm. But I figured that was the answer just from knowing your character. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, I know you don't get starstruck often. You meet a lot of people. But who have you met through all these years of being in the NFL and playing at Florida State who got you just like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe I met this guy? Hmm. Man. Man, as an athlete? Anybody. Anybody. Dang, that's a tough one, bro. 
I can't really think of it, man. Um, While you're thinking of it, I have a funny story. All right, go ahead. So me and you were at the weekend concert. Okay. And this was this was recent. Saw the weekend perform, mm-hmm. and we were in a little suite, a few of your teammates, and we're leaving the show, and there's a guy outside oh, the yeah. room waiting. There he is. There he is. Right. Guy's pointing to EJ, and he tells his buddy, "Come over, come over. There he is, EJ Manuel." Mm-hmm. And it's some guy we don't recognize with his friend, Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. Baseball's all-time steal leader, best leadoff hitter in MLB history. Mm-hmm. This guy's a legend. He mm-hmm. played like 70 years of baseball, this right. guy. And he'll tell you he was the best. Right. This guy was so happy to meet EJ. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool because yeah. I grew up watching Ricky play. And I just he's a little older than you, mm-hmm. and I'm older than you. <laughs> But He's I just said me, I just kept yeah. telling I kept telling EJ tell your dad you met Ricky right, Henderson. Right, right, He's right. gonna think it's cool even yeah. if you don't. Right, right. Because EJ didn't really. Understand. And it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't think it was cool. I think as an athlete, man, you know, I think I kind of look at it like for example, I've met LeBron. I've met uh, like I said AI. I met Mike Vick. Um, Guys who, in my eyes, are some of the Those best. Those were icons. Icon, iconic were. talents in sport, in professional sport, in their own right. They are. They were. They are. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, you know, back then, I got a little starstruck when I was younger. But I think once I actually, like, this is my, I'm going to my sixth year in the NFL. So, it's not that I don't get starstruck. It's just I kind of look at it differently now. Because I, I, I know that there's still normal guys just like you and I are. You know what I mean? But you Absolutely. still obviously have a huge respect for, like, a guy like Mr. Henderson's talents and things like that. But he called him Mr. Henderson. Mr. Henderson. Do you see the the difference, the <laughs> well, respect? But see, that's the respect. You know, I'm not gonna call him Ricky. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, Ricky calls himself Ricky. Right? Nah, exactly. Ricky can run. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a matter of respect, man. And I think uh, you know that's something that I work hard for, man. Like that's I just want respect. You know, I, when somebody speaks of EJ Manuel, whether it's about me as a character person or me as an athlete, me as a quarterback, I want somebody to have you know, for lack of better words, the Birdman says, put some respect in my name. You know yes, what I mean? Sir. So. That's just the way I look at it. So, getting back to your millennialness, since you are a millennial, <laughs> yes, and I'm not. You guys, you kids these days, you're into, uh, you know, a lot of social media, yeah. online dating, all types of stuff. What's the craziest thing somebody has ever DM'd you? Somebody's ever DM'd me. Whether it's a male, a female, could be a fan, could be a, <laughs> yeah. a, a well, woman I'm, that's trying to get at you, right, right. anything. Yeah. Surprisingly, man, I've gotten like videos of women doing compromising things. <laughs> compromising. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like compromising things. And instantly I block it because for one, okay, one is a probably it's probably a fraud. It's probably somebody trying to set me up as far as to get me to dive in and be like, yo, uh, what's good? Like you know Senior what I mean? like, Globo yeah, or somebody. You know what I mean? Can I jump in? Like, nah, I'm not I'm not a fool. So you know, that's probably the most, that's probably the craziest thing I've gotten in the DM, man. Like, I really don't get a whole lot of them. Any funny ones? Like Yeah, I've gotten some funny ones. I've gotten a bunch of, you know, uh, just, like, funny pictures of people thinking that they're cool. And I'm like, this is really weird. Like, like somebody like in males, my jersey. Like men. Yeah, guy and girls. Like, just, like I said, I've seen, like, there's been pictures, like, of women in my jerseys, like, in compromising positions and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> like I said, like, I'm just glad I'm not one of those guys who, like, falls and, you know, falls for a trap like that. Because I don't think anything necessarily good comes out of somebody just sending you that. There's a reason that they're doing that. Uh, but, yeah, my DMs aren't too crazy. So, But, by the way, EJ Manuel, 
three is my Instagram and my Twitter. So you guys can follow me. He's a decent follow. <laughs> I don't post that much, but when I do post, it's, it's good content. He's uh, very fashion conscious. Yes. A lot of, lot of nice clothing pics, stuff yes. like that. Yes. yes. You can count on it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. All right, so staying with uh, Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads, there's some other people that are from there, and I want to know if you've met them. Yeah. We got Pusha T. Of course. See? I, I've left out so many people like Pharrell, Missy Elliott. So that, I'm, that's who I'm asking you about. Yeah, right yeah, I want to know what the music side is. So, Pusha T and yep. Pharrell are huge. Missy. Yes. Yeah, those, those three are huge in our area. Timberland. Yep. Um, He's also on the list there. Yeah, uh, Teddy Riley. Have you met those guys? I've, I've only met Pusha T. You I've played never, in the basketball yeah, game. Yeah, in Cam's uh, summer shootout classic. Cam Chancellor has a yes, basketball a, uh, game every summer that you play in, Every right? summer and like a cookout for the community and all that kind of stuff. It's a great thing he does every uh, every Memorial Day weekend. But, Who's the best WNBA player you ever played oh, with? Oh, of course, Tisha Pinachero. Exactly. Who's also so. a legend who I actually grew up watching at ODU. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember... Uh, my dad taking me, my sister and I to ODU games. Because your mom was working at ODU? My mom, no, nah, this is even before that. This okay. is like, I might have been like eight or nine. Okay. And uh, we went, this is before they built like the Convocation Center. She would know what that is. The Ted, Convo- the Ted Constant Convocation Center, which is like their new arena. Um, this is when they played like in their old one. And uh, I remember seeing this big picture of Tisha in there because we did all of our AAU games there. And so my dad took my sister and I to, like, you know, some ODU women's games. They were really good. They had a really famous coach that coached there for a long time. The men's were really good, too. Um, and obviously to see Tisha go into the WNBA, which had just started when I was, like, eight or nine, which is when she had just left college, I'm assuming. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Our next episode is with Tisha Penichero. It's really nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, be sure until I say hello, man. Absolutely. It was, it was really cool meeting her because uh, she truly is, like, a – a seven five seven legend, yeah. like yeah, big time. And not just seven five seven. I'm sure she's worldwide. She's a WNBA legend. Yeah, yeah. But for World, us, worldwide bro, women's basketball. Growing legend. up though, man, like you knew who Tisha Pinachero was coming yep. from that area. A uh, couple other people, another female star athlete, Gabby Douglas. Gabby Douglas, you ever met Gabby also Douglas? from Virginia Beach. Never met her though. Okay. Yeah, she's probably she's probably the best athlete out of all of us. Right. Really, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, considering what she did, but yeah, she's right from Virginia Beach as well. Let's talk about something that a lot of NFL players don't like to talk about, uh, concussions. Mm -hmm. I had several concussions in my life, and some of that's from football, and some of it's not from football. Right. But definitely something I'm concerned with, and I know as a a football player you have to be concerned. Yeah. Have you had concussions in your life? Yeah, I had one. Um, One that I, you know, I would actually truly diagnose as a concussion. One for sure. Yeah. Uh, we played University of Florida my senior year. It was senior night. We were winning. Not sure by how much. It was a close game, though. And a kid hit me. I was running, trying to cut to the right. I didn't see him. He clocked, like, clocked me in my head. Instantly blacked out. Ball shoots up in the air. You know, that typical look when everybody gets a concussion or gets a hard hit. And, uh, yeah, that was – I remember I blacked out. I don't know for how long. Maybe, like, 10 seconds. Laid there, got up, and then, you know, I wasn't in pain, though. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of felt like, oh, crap. Like, I really got jolted. And so I was able to finish the game. But I know if that would have happened now, you wouldn't have gone back I wouldn't in. have been able to go. Well, it's not – I would have wanted to go back in. Yeah, but they won't let you. They wouldn't have let me. Because now, you know, there's so many precautions with concussions now that, you know, they don't play around with that stuff. So as far as that goes moving forward, how would you treat your children mm-hmm. if you had – 
some kids that yeah. wanted to play football. Yeah, I, I honestly would, you know, my son wants to play football one day. I don't have any kids yet, but, you know, if I have a son one day, I'm blessed to have a son. You know, I'll support him. I'm obviously going to introduce him to other sports, though, baseball, golf, basketball, you know, beyond football, just so he has a chance to choose whatever he wants to do. But, you know, if he wants to play football, I'll support him. You know, it's it's a dangerous game, but it's not that dangerous. You just learn the game the right way and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it just sometimes in that league, those things happen, you know, and not even just in the league. In the Little League, you can get a concussion. So, you know, I think they're building better equipment now, too. They're engineering better equipment now that, you know, it'll kind of keep guys a little safer, uh, keep your head in a little more intact. Because the main thing, you just want to be able to remember stuff when you're 45. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, I, I feel worse for, like, linemen. You know, guys who literally are banging their heads every single snap. Collisions every play. Every play. And, you know, the, say it's an average of 50 to – I'm sorry, it's an average of 60 to 70 plays per game on defense and offense. So – you're looking at a lineman who's taking, you know, 60 hits to his head 16 times a week. You know what I'm saying? Or six, no, I'm sorry, 60 times, times, a, times a year, but for 16 weeks. Yeah. Add that up. That's a lot, you know? So, um, not to mention practice and preseason exactly, and playoff games. Exactly. And, exactly. So it's not like that tempo is ever getting slowed down. I mean, yeah. it's full go every time. So, you know, hopefully they continue to do some more research on it and are able to help us. On a side note, EJ likes to collect soccer jerseys, and uh, I was thinking, whenever black people decide to play soccer, mm-hmm. they'll probably take over the U.S. soccer will take over the world easily. Whenever it's just I, a matter of time. And thank you, my good friend. And I'm not a you, soccer you me, yeah, fan. You brought me some. You brought me a great jersey, a Juventus jersey. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, over in uh, Rome. from overseas, exactly. Yeah. So, I uh, really appreciate you for that. Um, but yeah, man, I've always told people that I'm like, man, if our best athletes, and I'm not saying all of our best athletes are African American, but you know, like say if you take the best athletes from track and field, the best athletes from the NBA, the best athletes from the MLB, the best athletes from the NFL, really the NFL, because you got guys who are fast, can run, can jump, can move, or quick, got good footwork already. Imagine some of those top cornerbacks playing soccer. You Europe know what I mean? and South America, goodbye. It's done. So, because you mean not only are we bigger than most of those, you know, European countries, the South American countries, we're faster, stronger. And and so, yeah, I, I think uh, you know if we get, if when that's what I'm saying, like, I, I wouldn't mind my son playing something like that. You can get a concussion in soccer too, though. But Absolutely. but still, you know, I think it would be really cool to see that kind of transcend and change that culture, change a little bit. And you know, uh, I think it really just starts when we're young. It's so easy to just go outside and play basketball and football because that's what you see all your older older friends doing. Not many kids want to go play soccer, black kids at least. And so if that if that would have changed though, man, I mean, it it would take it'd be a generation of just top notch talent playing soccer. Let's talk some football. What's the best game you've had in your life? Where you just felt like you were almost in a zone. Mm-hmm. Like, we've all, as an athlete, at some point in our career, we've just felt that yeah. special game. I've had probably, like, four like of, like, wow, this could possibly be, like, the best game I've ever that played. Stu- stood that out. stood out that I still remember. But, like, the, the main one I remember is we played Clemson my, my senior year at Florida State. Threw for 300, ran for 100. Ran for 100, yep. I think I threw for, like, 370 or 360 and ran for, like, 108 or 110 or something like that. And could have been more. But, um, you know, I remember that game. It was – you know, we were probably ranked top five. Clemson was ranked top five. It was a huge showdown. They had Sammy Watkins, Martavius Bryant, Taj Boyd, who's also from Virginia Beach, by the way. Forgot to mention him. 
uh, and uh, uh, Hopkins, Nuke Hopkins. You know what I mean? So like all stars, and uh, the running back was uh, uh, Andre uh, Andre Ellington. Yeah, yeah. Tight end was um, played. He was actually playing in the Super Bowl. All NFL guys. Uh, yeah, uh, Dwayne Allen. So yeah. defense had all kind of NFL guys. So great game. It was really. It felt like an NFL tempo game. Um, and, you know, I just was able to get in a zone and, you know, the game was tight the whole way we had. And don't get me wrong, we had plenty of NFL guys on my team too, you know. But I did feel like I was in the zone. I felt in so control of that game that whatever I did, whenever the ball left my fingertips, it was going to the receiver. If I remember correctly, you were the first Florida State quarterback to, to put up numbers like that since Charlie Ward. Mm -hmm. And Charlie Ward was, when I was a One kid, of the greats. I mean, yeah. man, he was yep. amazing. Uh, who's the best wide receiver you've ever thrown to? And I mean... In a game or just in general? Like... I, I guess I mean in a game because I want to know, when you threw the ball up, you Who know he's know? coming down with it. Yeah, that's tough. No man. knocks on anybody. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I had a kid in high school. Right. I grew up with him. He knows who he is. He goes by the name of the king. Yeah. You throw that thing up, he's catching coming it. Coming down Doesn't with it. matter. Uh, I play with some great ones, man. Um... You know, a guy like Sammy Watkins, you know, early on in his career when he got drafted to Buffalo my second year, amazing. I remember I could just literally put the ball within three feet circumference of his body, and he was coming down with the so catch. So his hands mixed with his athletic ability. Exactly. You got a guy like Michael Crabtree who is someone who wants to brock all the time. You know what I mean? And Amari Cooper's great, too, and Seth Roberts. We had a great – and Cordell Patterson and Jared Cook. You know what I mean? We all got, like, great, great players, but – it's hard to narrow that down, man. Like, I don't want to slight anybody, and I'm not trying to be nice. I'm, I really just can't say who's that one person that if I throw the rock up, he's going to come down with it. I mean, even my good friends like Marquise Gilbert and Robert Woods, those guys would do the same thing. So, you know. Um, I'm going to ask you this question after your career. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. questions are I tough. Probably, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to say now. What do you think is the most difficult thing you've had to deal with in your career? You've had a lot of setbacks, whether it was getting benched, or injuries, your mom had breast cancer, mm -hmm. um, media criticism. Mm -hmm. I can think of a few things. I don't know. What, what was the toughest thing for you to really bounce back from? Man, the toughest thing to bounce back from is probably when I got benched, uh, I think, which I think was, was poorly timed. It wasn't the right decision. It wasn't the right thing to do. I think if I were a coach for a young second-year QB that got drafted in the first round that had talent, that had the ability, I would have sat him down and just had a you know a face-to-face -face conversation with him and said, listen, this is what I need from you, and this is how you can get to it. Instead of just saying, hey, we want you to learn from this guy who was a nine, ten-year vet or whatever. And the team, literally, we still had the same record that we had the year before. Still didn't go to the playoffs. So it's like you guys make a change like that and you get the same result, right? So I would have thought you would just let a second-year guy continue to, like, grow and learn. And it's not like I, I always played bad. I had two great games at first, you know, that uh, we beat Chicago in Chicago. We beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, then we lost to the, the Chargers. Then we lost to Houston. So I think getting benched was probably, like, the first time I really felt, like, true adversity in all of sports. I've always been You've probably never top dog, failed in sports. Never failed. And even I don't even look at it as a failure, man. I think it's something that I look at as a true learning experience. And I'm glad I've gone through it now because 
I'm at such a happy place and a peaceful place, whether it's in my life or in sports or relationships or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have any more, you know, uh, frustration. Or, and, if, and if I do, I use it as a tool to push me forward because it's like I've gone through, you know, barring any injuries, and I have gone through injuries, and I think that partly led to the decision and how my play was, you know, because I, I wasn't fully healthy yet. You know I mean? I, I was dealing with an injury. I had a growing injury that year, too. That was killing me, and I got surgery on that after my second year that a lot of people don't know about. Um, I don't even think I knew about it. Yeah, I had got surgery after that season. I had tore uh, an abdomen in my uh, my lower left abdomen, which is where you turn to throw. Yeah. And it burned every single time I went to throw. And people don't know it, but people also don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, that was probably the hardest thing I had to get over. I think it was going from being the starter to going to being a backup. Uh, going into the game, knowing that I wasn't going to play, going into a game, uh, you know, because I was a first-round pick. So then I'm starting to hear rumbles from media or the fans and people on Instagram talking trash. And, you know, again, like I'm very big on I just want people to respect me. He's and a I, bust and things like yeah, that. When you actually had a good rookie year. I had people a very, forget very good rookie year. Very quickly you had a good rookie year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then people forget – Anything. It's a very much uh, what have you done for me lately kind of league. And, you know, I, I had a bunch of things at a time where I wanted to blame it on this, blame it on that. But at the end of the day, I also look at it as it was just circumstances. And in life, you're going to have circumstances that don't always go in your favor. That was one of them that did not go in my favor. And I, what I, the biggest thing I learned from that experience, though, is to not allow that to affect who I am as a person or to affect who I am to family or to friends, you know what I mean? Like, I think it kind of pushed me away from relationships and friendships and made me, you know, almost become more guarded because I didn't know who I could trust. You yourself. Yeah, you know, I didn't know who I could trust. That's not who I am. Like, I'm a very loving and open person. So, um, you know, looking back on it, it definitely did set me back. I think it set me back in my career a little bit as far as the perception, which is, you know, I was always told perception is reality, and especially in that league. Because if, you know, one team thinks this is how you are, another team will think it too. And so, you know, I've kind of been battling against that. But, you know, thankfully I've been able to stay in the race. And I think that's the most important thing. You stay in the race and you just keep moving forward. I appreciate you being candid. No doubt. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Uh, Let's talk about some fun stuff uh, during the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up at FSU? Like, um, why why them over? Because you were offered by... Yeah, I had 51 scholarship offers. So, if I didn't go to LSU, I would have went to... I'm sorry, if I didn't go to FSU, I would have went to LSU. Good thing you didn't. They don't do a good job developing They don't, but I would have thrown to, like, Odell. Some I would have thrown to Jarvis. <laughs> you know, I would have thrown to some ballers. That's you know true, what I'm saying? That's true. Uh, maybe they just don't have the right quarterback. Yeah, or maybe it's just the right teacher. I think if, they, if that team had a quarterback, they would have won the national championship back then. But, um, you know, the recruiting process was fun, man. Like I said, going back on it, like when, I'm, when my son goes through it, I'll know what kind of questions to ask. I'll know what kind of visits to take. I'll know when to take the visits. What's important that you want What's important school. to see. Like I'm going to take him to the meeting rooms. I'm going to take him to practice. I'm going to take him to the weight room. I want to see how the weight room coach Facilities interacts with the guys. I want to see how it is where you go to eat. I want to see how it is when you go to class. I want to see how the class checkers are. Like I want to see everything. Where did what schools did you make your official visits to? So I only took one official visit because I committed early to Florida State. Okay. And so my dad, you know, basically said if you've already committed to a team, hold your commitment and don't, you know, keep take your word for the yeah exactly to keep your word. But looking back on it in retrospect, I wish I had taken four of those visits. One because it's free, I not earned that. And then two is <laughs> like why not? You know what I mean? Like I didn't owe I didn't owe. 
FSU anything at the time. Like, they recruited me and they wanted me, but trust and believe if there was something that I didn't do right or they would have taken my scholarship back like anybody else. So, sure. you know, that's another thing I've learned, man. You don't owe anybody anything, you know. Like, all you owe is, is things to yourself. And there's the people that care about you and that love you. And that's, you know, just do your best. Now, you don't have to drop a dime on anybody. Yeah. But during the process, were you ever offered any gifts? Uh, I was not. Um, that's one thing that, you know, I, I know that does occur. Um, but anyone who meets my family, they know that we're not going to be even. You're not the Don't right get me ones. wrong. It would have been nice. You know what I mean? But And we had, you know, a, a school or two that might have hinted at it. But my dad shut that down as soon as it got tossed up to us. On your recruiting trip, mm -hmm. were females thrown at you? No. Um, not out of the ordinary. No females were not thrown. Not like organized? Nah. Like we're gonna... Nah, nah, nah. Actually, Myron Rowe is uh, one of my great friends now. Um, Rowe Scholar, Rowe. doctor, NFL, NFL uh, ex-NFL player, All-American, everything, right? Actually... I'd like to get him on the pod. I might yeah, have to I, have I you get you. him on. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Great when guy I'm up to in Boston, to. I'll get Great I'll guy get to talk to. I was literally talking to him earlier today. Cool. He might have just texted me. But anyways, um, yeah, so Myron was my host, and I remember him. He literally was, like, the first person to take me to, like, an actual party. Like, I went to, like, teen clubs and stuff back in Virginia Beach at high school. But it's, like, my first time going to, like, an actual college party. He was a captain in college. So, you know, we went to, like, a, a frat party. It was really cool. Good experience. When I name... These quarterbacks, tell me one thing that separates them from the rest. Okay. Like we all, we know they're all great, mm -hmm. but what is it that that maybe sets the each of them apart? Maybe even if it's one word, Tom Brady, the goat, Aaron Rodgers, Cannon, Drew Brees, precision, Russell Wilson, dynamic, Cam Newton. Close to unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> he gets three words. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how to put that in one concise word, but yeah, Cam is has literally all the tools to be as good as he wants to be. So trash talking has always been a big part of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about who's the best at it. The NFL, they kind of they show some of that stuff on the mic'd up, and which is great. Yeah. The more mic'd up, the better. Uh, who's who's the best at talking trash, or who have you seen? What are some things you've heard? Oh man, things that made easily, you laugh. Easily, Nigel Bradham, who's also yeah. playing in the Super Bowl this Florida year. Florida State guy. Florida State teammate came in uh, college '08 together. Brother, known him for like a long time, <laughs> ten years now. So he probably. So when I got to FSU, man, like I, you know, I had my own swag and my own confidence and whatnot. But when I got there, amongst those other guys. Like, we just had such a tenacity and such a nastiness about ourselves that, like, we would get off the bus and we already felt like we were going to win the game. So trash talking is, like, kind of a byproduct of who and what we were. Um, another guy, Vince Williams, who also played linebacker, plays for Pittsburgh, had a great season this year. Um, major trash talk. Telvin Smith, another linebacker. They make you had. laugh or they make you cry? Well, they wouldn't talk trash to me. No, no, not you. <laughs> yeah, Will yeah, they yeah. make the Somebody opponent else? laugh or cry? Uh... I don't know. It won't. It won't make them laugh or cry. I think it'll just put that fear in their but heart. But they're doing it to intimidate. No question. Okay. And also just to have fun themselves. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily know Motivate if, themselves. if they care if it intimidates the guy because they're gonna do what they do regardless, right? But 
I think they look at it as like this is kind of how they get themselves going, get their energy up, and then get get their teammates to get yeah. their energy up too. Yeah. Uh, have you heard anybody on the field cross the line say something crazy? Oh that? yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard n words from people who shouldn't be saying n words. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hear all kind of stuff, man, and you know. Uh, I've gotten some of it myself from guys who I thought I was cool with, who talked trash to me. Like, man, we'll yeah, 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 you get it all. But like I said, once you like, cross, once you cross those white lines, but there's like certain things they can say that's just like, oh, it's within the no game. Doubt. But, but there's no certain doubt. things that you know it's kind of like no real. Doubt. Yeah, yeah, no question. And you know, I personally don't take it. I take it with a grain of salt, like everything else, because that's not what really concerns me. I don't care what somebody has to say. Because just like you saying it to me, I'm going to say it right back to you, and I want to beat your head in as well, so I could care less. You ever had anybody sack you and say something funny? Um, I remember I got – I didn't get sacked, but we were, we were beating the uh, the Ravens. Again, my rookie year, first quarterback to uh, – first rookie quarterback to beat the defending Super Bowl champs, uh, the Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, my rookie year. People forget that too, right? Uh, beat them and literally had the same exact team. But anyways, That's I won't a good go back accomplishment. to the past. It's a huge accomplishment. Um, but anyways, uh, that was my second victory in my career, and I go to take a knee, and Terrell Suggs, you know, I was kind of like trying to draw out the clock a little bit. T-Sizzle. Yeah, so I took my time to take a knee, and he comes around the edge. Nobody blocked him, rips my helmet off. <laughs> and uh, I just remember him saying, like, you better get down faster or whatever, whatever. And it's funny, we, I played, I started versus Baltimore this past year, and, uh, you know, he had a chance to sack me, but I had got the ball out of my hands, and he let up and let me go. And I think that was, like, him showing respect. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a vet now. And I'm a vet now. I'm not a rookie anymore, that kind of thing. So it was cool. Are you surprised Colin Kaepernick is not on an NFL team right now? I, I know you consider him a friend. No doubt. Yeah, Kaepernick's a him. great friend of mine. And I uh, I respect what he's doing as well, you know. And um, I am surprised because there's, you know, definitely room for Cap, whether it's a – backup role or anything you know what i'm saying it's it's really it's really mind-boggling that he still hasn't gotten a position and you know we all you know can say oh it's because of this it's because of that like it's obvious as to why you know he's doing a peaceful protest he's doing something that he believes in something that you know he's not doing it for himself he's doing it for he's you know instead of like being the person that just talks about it i feel like cat really is being that person who's doing something about it and it is, you know, unfortunate that, you know, he hasn't been able to – he missed an entire season become, because of it and possibly his career. Um, so, yeah. The craziest thing – or the, the – I'll delete that. The proof of how ridiculous it is, number one, he's definitely better than a good percentage of the backups in the league. Mm-hmm. We already know that. He's a borderline starter. Mm-hmm. And – for for a team to take him on would be a great PR move and they don't even see that they they think it's more of a hassle and they don't want to deal with the blowback from mm-hmm. it and it's actually a really good PR move if they were to do it right what's the most ignorant thing a fan has ever said to you <laughs> oh man could be at a game yeah. you know could nah, be in person during a game you get all kinds of stuff from fans man and it's got to make you laugh sometimes. It does though. make you laugh. And sometimes you got to laugh, though, because if you don't laugh, it'll really make you mad. You know what I mean? Because you just have people legit making blasphemous comments, you know, uh, whether it's about your girl, about your mom, about how you look, you know, anything, right? They just want to really get you off. Fans, especially like opposing teams fans, they want to get – they want to feel like they impact the game. 
So their only way to impact the game is to talk trash. They can't go out there and play because otherwise if they could play, they'd be playing. But, you know, all the Instagram uh, and Twitter uh, trolls and those are the people who most of the time go to the games and can afford a ticket and all that kind of stuff. I've seen you shut your comments off on Instagram. Yeah, I did for for a good amount of time because it wasn't so much because I was worried about negative stuff. Because, I, you know, for every negative comment I got, I got 13 positive ones, right? But my thing was, I didn't want people to even have a chance to comment. Well, it's tough for a guy like me when I'm trying to say, oh, you got a nice suit on, bro. And I <laughs> can't can even read that, that comment. And you can tell me that personally, though. I guess. You know what I mean? I so It was tough, though. It was and hard but you know me. what? I, I grew up to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to allow anyone beside me dictate what I do. So, you know, I said, if somebody wants to write a nasty comment, that's fine. You know what I mean? Uh, I hope that made your day feel better by you saying something to me. That one, I probably won't read. You know, I don't go through my comments. So when I do get comments, I never read them. It sounds like you probably will go through them and read them. But, like, I personally never go. Well, I don't get thousands of comments either. Exactly. It's pretty easy for me to yeah. read them when there's two. But that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't care. You know what I'm saying? So, like, even if I get three or four comments, I'm not going to go through and look at it. You know what I mean? Like, nobody that, honestly, if beside a friend, nobody that's commenting. And, again, I say this with, a, like, a grain of salt. is like, if it's not if it's not positive and it's negative, I really don't care. Because I'm going to dictate what I want my feelings to be like. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if I have, you know, I feel like a lot of times people always focus on the negative, man. Like, I think I had to learn to start focusing on positive. Like, there was still a lot of people that rooted for me, a lot of people that didn't agree with Marone benching me, a lot of people that said, man, your numbers are just as good as every other rookie quarterback that turned into being a great quarterback. So, you know, I had to start looking at it that way instead of listening to the 13-year-old at lunch talking crap saying like oh you suck or you're a bust or you're a bum or you're this and that you can picture him in the cafeteria at his school you already like, know and they're just sitting around their boys and Manuel really what right they now. want man they want they want you to respond they want to say like oh he tweeted me back or right. oh he messaged me back that's the closest back. they can get to meeting to you actually or... having some access right and so as corny as that is i'm not going to give them that power you know and if anything i just block you you know what i mean you don't need to be on my page anyways i would say my best advice, not that you asked for it, is to not not get not get too caught up in the good stuff or the bad stuff Correct. because all of it's kind of nonsense and useless. Yeah, and, it, it doesn't know, matter. I mean, people could tell you you're the greatest thing ever. It doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean know? a hill of beans, man. Like that's an old saying. It's just you don't get too high or get too low, and then also you don't read the good if you don't want to read the bad. So I appreciate that. Do you hate anybody? No. You believe in God. Mm -hmm. I already know that. Mm -hmm. You pray. All the time. What do you pray for? Uh, I pray for clarity. Um, I pray for, I pray for uh, the, just to have peace in my life. Man, I don't pray for possessions. I don't pray for things. I don't pray for, and I pray for my people, you know, my people, my family, my loved ones. But I don't pray for, Lord, I want a new Mercedes or Lord, I want a, you know, a new car or a new house. Like, I don't pray for those things. Like, I pray for my, my people, the people I love. And honestly, I just pray for peace. You know what I mean? Like, so where I can just go to sleep at night and know that I don't have any beef with anybody. I don't have, I don't owe anybody anything. I've been blessed enough to not have to look behind my, over my shoulder. Wait, and, wait, wait. What about when we shot foul shots that day? You owe me a couple bucks. I, do I still owe you from that? I, I paid know. you back. It's debatable. Oh, okay. That's like, debatable. yeah, that was two years ago. You hustled me too. Definitely hustle me. But, yeah, I mean, you know, God is huge in my life, man. I've been, you know, a Christian ever since, you know, I was like nine years old, man. So, 
it's not easy. It's not an easy life to live because you still want to do certain things, you know, and that kind of stuff. You want to live your life as a young man. But at the end of the day, you know, you got younger kids that are looking up to you and that, you know, are really watching you, watching your example. So I take that very uh, seriously. You ever pray for me? All the time, man. With my loved ones, bro. Appreciate you. Like a brother, man. Appreciate you. No doubt. Uh, so you've been working on getting your MBA mm-hmm. at University of Miami. Yes. It's great to see a Seminole shed his, yeah. what color is that, garnet and gold? Garnet and gold. Shed the garnet the and gold. orange and green. For the orange and green of the hurricanes. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny. I was on campus, and uh, I remember a kid, and I was getting lunch, and the kid was like, E.J. Emanuel? I was like, yeah. He's like, what you doing here, man? Blah, blah, blah. And, kind of started smiling. I was like, hey, I'm just getting my education like you, bro. And, you know, one of my my, my teammates, Jonathan, Jonathan Feliciano, he'll love this. He always talks about FSU. UM. UM. Football alum, guy. Right? And so I told him, uh, hey, man, I can go walk on your campus anytime. I'm, undefe- I'm undefeated against the, the Hurricanes. They, the Hurricanes have never beat me. And you one started again, once again, two the, against the uh, Three. Three? Three. Damn. Started three versus UM. Three you beat them all three? Yep. Never beat me. So Yeah, this year was um, the first time we beat you guys in mm-hmm, years. In a long time. So, yep. 2-0 at Miami and 1-0 in Tallahassee. So you're part of the Athletes and Artists MBA program. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of NFL current and retired NFL guys. I know uh, Timbaland was involved in the program, mm-hmm. A-Rod. Uh, tell me about that experience. Yeah, so that experience has been very uh, worthwhile, man, and getting a chance to learn from entrepreneurs and CEOs and business people, you know, because a lot of times as athletes we spend so much time you know, honing our skills, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever, you know, you don't really get a chance to learn that other side of life, which is business and entrepreneurship and, you know, ownership. So it's been a, it's been a great program and I'm really happy that, uh, you know, I was able to be a part of it. That's great. They're showing you guys what to do with your money. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself after your NFL career? The cool thing about me, man, is I'm very versatile. So I can see myself you know, being an entrepreneur, I can see myself being a broadcaster. Uh, I can see myself being a sportscaster, and yes, those are two different things. I can see myself doing this with you. You know, having a podcast of our own, like a show, uh, interviewing other young athletes or y- other young phenoms or whatever, whatever that may be. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. You know, for the future. But I can see myself doing almost. I can see myself coaching. I can see myself uh, getting in the fashion, the fashion industry. I can see myself getting into the tech, the med tech industry. Got a bunch of contacts in that, something that interests me. So, you know, I leave all doors open, man. I never burn any bridges, and I try to network as much as possible with other like-minded and good people that, you know, want to help others and, you know, help change the world. You're on death row. I ask all my guests this. Yeah. Which has been, you're the third. Okay. Number three, that makes sense. Yeah. Number three. Yep, number three. Trey. You're on death row. You get one meal, mm-hmm. last meal of your life. What are you ordering? I get dessert too? Yeah, you get dessert and you get a drink. Okay. So uh, to start as a drink, I'm going to get uh, lemonade. Love lemonade uh, with ice. Light ice. Light on the ice, actually. Um, for my meal, my meat's going to be... Uh, pause. <laughs> definitely a pause. You can cut that you, out. You even pause on death row. <laughs> <laughs> The meat that I, the meat food that I would choose is uh, of course fried chicken, fried chicken. That's that's a no brainer. Uh, my side would probably be my mother's uh, macaroni and cheese. Uh, the other side would either be a toss up between potato salad or collards. 
I, nah, I just love I love collards, but it's gonna have to be potato salad or yams, like for my grandma's. One of my grandma's, Grandma Eleanor, Grandma Pearl. One of them can make it. They okay. both make delicious food. Uh, and my dessert is definitely my dad's sweet potato pie. Really. And then do what you got to do. Well, then we. I think you should get rid of the yams as a side dish, Dog, and then go with the dad's sweet, sweet potato sweet pie, and then throw in something else. Sweet potatoes are probably my favorite food to eat. I love sweet potatoes. Yeah, and they're healthy, you know, if you eat them the right way. But yes, the way we eat Not them. that way. Yeah, the way we hook them up in the healthiest. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we uh, that's one one of the things I was raised on, man. So, like, ever since I've been a little kid, I've always, like, taken down as many sweet potato pies as I could. That that leads me to the next question. It's kind of off track. Where are your parents from? I know you, I'm pretty sure they're from Virginia, yeah. Norfolk. My parents are from both from Norfolk, Virginia. Both went to Booker T. High School. Booker T. Washington High School, excuse me, in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, my grandparents went there too. So in Virginia, you know, schools are segregated. It's the South, so they didn't have too many they options all, in exactly, schools to go to. Exactly. Like if you lived in that part of the city, you went to one high school as a you know as a black person, as a black kid. If not, they bust you across town and some other school, right? And so uh, my parents met in tenth grade, been dating and together ever since. So I think they've been married for thirty-one years now. Um, got a great family. Got an older sister. Her name is Amber. She played college basketball at High Point University. I had a friend that was coaching there. Um, yeah, yep. She played basketball. She was a standout uh, basketball player before me. So she's four, well, three and a half years older than me. So a lot of things I learned as an athlete, I learned from her. My toughness and everything really came from my sister. Her beat me up in, like, the front yard and all that kind of stuff in basketball. <laughs> and then once I turned, like, 13, I, you know, I started beating her all the time and whatnot. So, you know, it was really fun growing up, man. And, you know, she has a, a, a daughter now. Her name is Autumn. And uh, she's my niece. So... You know, whether she wants to play sports or not, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm always going to be there for her. Last question. Yeah. Top five. Mm-hmm. Top five rappers of Top all time. Top five rappers in no specific order. No particular order. Okay. Drake. Drake for sure goes up there. Such I gotta a millennial put, answer. I got to put, I gotta put uh, Biggie Smalls up there. I got to put Jay-Z up there. I got to put... And this is gonna be a surprise. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar. That's what we want. We I, want I the got, truth. I gotta put Kendrick Lamar up there. That's four. And the fifth, and this is a toss up because there's probably like four or five other guys. You can go with Snoop. You could go with Tupac. You could go with Nas. You could go with, uh, you could go with you know guys from the South. Any you know. Virginia Beach love? Uh, you could go with Pusha. Because Pusha, you know, and Pusha's you could. On my list. And I love Push, but if I gotta choose a fifth guy, man, for me personally, like growing up. I love, love, love Lil Wayne, and this is like from like Carter One, Carter Two. I mean, two. he's easily as far as easily. as far as lyrics, bro. Like lyrics and his sound back in like 2000, 2001, 2002, like was to me amazing. So that's my top five. You know, of course, I got love for all my you know artists that come from where I come from, but you know, uh, Push will be right on the edge of that. That's it for for this time, EJ. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back, if not uh, as a guest, but as a host. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Uh, it's been great. And uh, you know I'm always here for you. I think this is a, uh, a really cool thing you got going on, man. So appreciate you. Thanks, man. We got to get some work in. Hundo Health and Fitness time. Right, I'm always ready, bro. Let's go. That's it for Episode 3 of Keeping It a Hundo. My guest was EJ Manuel. Thanks for listening. If anybody has any questions for EJ or any of my guests, feel free to message me on Instagram at MattyHundo. Please continue to download and subscribe to Keeping It a Hundo. You can find it on the Apple Podcast app.
Also, rate and review. It only takes a few seconds. Leave me a short comment. I don't care what it says. It could be... I remember playing Saugus on Saturday. Or something about throwing things at Mr. Flanders in English class. Or maybe we got in a fight at the Wellness Center. I don't care what you write. But it's important to keep this thing going. And feel free to share it with your friends on social media. I'd like to give a shout out to some of you who did that for me already. Ken Kniff, Jess Dog, Amy B. Bent, Jeff McBurney, Andre Dawson. The list goes on. If you don't have an iPhone or an Apple product, you can find Keeping It A Hundo on Google Play Music or SoundCloud. Next week, retired WNBA legend Tisha Penichero will be my guest. So until then, keep it 100.